This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 253. Everybody else has a plan for your money with Brandon Neely. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your your future. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I wanted to start with just a question, maybe sort of a, a, an esoteric existential question as we get going here today. Is it possible to give what you have not received? That's an interesting question. That's one that uh, my guest today has posed. Is it possible to give what you have not received? Most people live their life just sort of take, take, taking. And other people give, but can sometimes burn out if they're not doing it right. But is it possible to give what you have not received? If you didn't have great parents, can you be a great parent? If you didn't have great health habits growing up, can you teach your kids great health habits? If you didn't know money as a kid, can you teach other people about money and finance? Hopefully, there are some listening to this podcast who do feel like you can give what you have not received. Hopefully, you've been able to discover and find little gems of knowledge and wisdom on our podcast, and hopefully you have been able to share what you've learned with other people. That's what I wanted to bring up as we get started in this episode today. It is very counterintuitive to think about giving what you have not received. Brandon Neely, our guest today, is turning it on its head, saying that you can give even if you did not receive something yourself. When I talked with Brandon, he mentioned his growing up years being raised by a single parent and you know not having a lot of money in poverty. He, he was impacted financially also by the mindset his mom had as a business owner. Later on in his own life, he began several businesses for himself. So who is Brandon Neely? Well, he's been on our podcast before. For savvy listeners, you might recognize his voice. Brandon Neely is a serial entrepreneur, a profit first and bank on yourself professional, and the co-host of the Wealth Wisdom Financial Podcast with his wife and business partner, Amanda Neely. He and Amanda founded and managed Overflow Coffee Bar from 2008 to 2018. They learned a lot about what not to do as they went through that experience in running a business. They've since sold the business, and now as financial allies, they share their experiential knowledge through podcasting and developing personalized financial strategies for individuals and profitability strategies for businesses. They continue to help clients implement the Profit First system as well as how to use a bank-on-yourself type policy and framework to grow their business and their future. Take it away, Brandon. Brandon, 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 welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. I think I'm solo this time. This is going to be a lot of fun. Usually when you and me are hanging out, we're either talking about crazy financial strategies or we're watching a Marvel movie together. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, what is your superpower? I think one of my superpowers is empathy, being able to empathize and see where people are at and the compassion of some of the situations I see people in and really just being a, I want to help change people's lives. Empathy and compassion is what I would love to be known for. It's sometimes hard because you can become callous to right. some of the things and the hard things that you see, but that those are my superpowers. I hope you come alongside people emotionally and you're also not willing to put up with other people's BS. 
and you see a lot of regular themes across hundreds of families across this country, financial themes. I want to go back to when you were a kid, though. What were some of the money themes that you experienced growing up as a kid? I grew up in a single family home and we had no money. She worked a lot of jobs. She was a business owner, I think sales. And I learned like in order to make things happen, you got to do it. You just got to get out there and, and hustle. I think it made me have a bigger drive and wanting to be a difference maker, like through life. I wanted to be the change, like kind of that idea, be the change you want to see in the world. I realized even as a parent, I want to be the father that I didn't have. And I believe in our thinking, you can give what you have not received. And most of the time people say you can only give what you received, but I believe more and more that I can give what I have not received. What are the trends that you see and the myths that people still hold on to with regards to how they deal with this thing called money? Yeah, it's all interconnected, right? And sometimes people are thinking, I got this rate of return, which I think is usually not even accurate in the market in my 401k. And they're saying, well, I got this on my 401k, but they aren't realizing that they have a credit card that's 25% interest. And they're like, well, I got this. This is so awesome. And they're not connecting the dots of all of that. And you've taught us this, it's all one wallet. And so thinking about creating that one wallet idea and seeing how your taxes affect your cash flow, maybe uh, your credit card spending, or sometimes man, you're spending more than you're making. Maybe you just need to like slow down a little bit, stop going out to eat all the time. Those kind of things I, I think is really powerful. And seeing about the budgeting, creating a great system on your regular cash flowing system. And also at the same time, start thinking about what are your goals? Like don't just live haphazard through life and thinking that my 401k is going to take care of me or holistically. I think we're holistic thinkers. Thinking holistically, it's all one wallet. Like you mentioned, if I'm getting a 9% rate of return in my 401k and I love that, but I'm losing 25% in my credit cards, that's just a problem because it's all yeah. one wallet. We're yeah. holistic. It, our money is holistically impacted. Every decision you make is going to impact all the rest of it. And it may not be the deal breaker moment. I've talked about it like a, a spider web. Yep. Everyone's got a spider web of their financial life. And yeah, you could trim this little link here and that little link there, and you could overspend this month and, and you can go out, you can blow it on some credit card debt this next month. And you might, you know, invest in your meme stocks the next month and it may not destroy you, but over time you start making a long series of blind moves. Let's say your spider's going to fall. Yeah. So yeah. You see a lot of people going through this and you've actually become a profit first professional. First of all, what is that and why does that matter? We were business owners in a coffee shop and we luckily met you and we realized our biggest risk was us, not what was happening in the market, not all of this. It was our business and we were the greatest asset too. And so we were thinking about this and also saying, okay, how can I have access to my money to be able to leverage and use it if I need to 
in case of an emergency, taking care of student debt. So we can actually flow through life a little faster. What happens most of the time is most businesses, and this is in Amazon sales, it's in almost all businesses, business owners are last to get paid, right? We'll pay our staff, we'll keep feeding the beast is what Mike McCallowitz says. And we forget to pay ourselves, but then we'll want to put our money into the market and get dividends, right? Or something along those lines, because we want to return on our investment. That's why we go in. So we invest in those things, but yet in our business, we don't treat it the same way. So profit first is flipping that whole idea of cash flow and making sure that we put profit on the top. So then you start actually thinking through that, making sure you pay yourself, right? A good salary, as opposed to eventually I'll pay myself. You start building those systems in place and then you run a healthy business and you make decisions based off of 30% OPEX versus 150% OPEX. You've been introducing profit first to many of your clients. What's one of the best things that's happened to you or one of your clients since you started sharing this message of profit first? Yeah. Some, they, they just start realizing, Hey, I need to start paying myself. And that's why we ultimately sold our business. When we sold the coffee shop was saying, okay, is this a profitable business? We felt like we were doing all the things. We even had our life insurance policies, but we realized that we were not able to pay ourselves. And sometimes you just keep going in the rat race and it's not a, a healthy rat race. So I've had clients who have realized their business isn't helping them. They're feeding a bigger beast and they're not making any money. I've had clients actually close or sell their business. And I think that's a huge success to me because they realized, hey, what do I want in life? And is this actually getting me there? Or am I just on another, I went from one hamster wheel W2 to the business owner hamster wheel. You really. just bought yourself an expensive job as some yeah. people say it. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you best position yourself to be in a better, healthy place? And again, reverse engineer, what do you want? What do you want retirement to be? What's your exit strategy on any business? Begin with the end in mind is a big thing I think about with Profit First, with our policy designs, and sitting on liquid cash and part of profit first is being ready for those things that happen. Sitting on mm -hmm. liquid cash in bank on yourself designed policies is part of what helps the resilience of the business owner. And folks, those of you who don't know much about profit first, you can go listen to Brandon and Amanda and me talk about it clear back in episode 165, where we combine the concept of bank on yourself with profit first. So that's episode 165. Brandon, you guys now take your clients through a very special custom designed process known as the still method. And first of all, what is the still method and what does it help people accomplish when you help them through it? So still method is a framework of a mind mindset. We're going through life and it's confusing. And especially in this time, it's chaotic. And so we've been thinking about what is chaotic. Our taxes is a chaotic thing to figure out. And Donald Miller says, if you confuse, you lose. He wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz and Story Brand. Our system is built to confuse us. Our 401k is like confusing, right? Chaos is uh, confusing, haphazard. 
anxious, overwhelming, and stressful. That seems like what everybody is dealing with right now. So that's an acronym. So can you read those again? Chaos is an acronym for? Confusing. That's our financial system. Haphazard, we just throw things together like the spider web. Anxious, we are anxious about things, overwhelming and stressful. Mm, Yeah. Right. And so we saw this in, in every time we have a client, and this is why Profit First makes sense, is it's removing the chaos and having more systems in place. The still method, and you can go to stillmethod.com to find out more and download a PDF for it. It is going through a framework, and you can do this in your marriage life, you can do this in your money life, all kinds of ways. And it's, it's from our pastoral background when we were pastors, thinking about doing certain practices, right? Like prayer, reading your Bible, budgeting is a practice. Like the, all these little practices that we do going to the gym, it's practice. So how do you have a practice around your finances? The still method is a practice and it's set your sights. Like you gotta have a goal. You gotta know where you wanna go, mm-hmm. right? Track, you're in and out. You kinda know what's going in, what's going out. Uh, making sure you're not spending more than you're making or those kind of things, budgeting, inspect your progress. So you you can't just track it. You got to inspect and see what am I noticing? What is happening? What's speaking through my budget? And then look for 1% adjustments. Everybody wants this huge rate of return and this quick, easy fix, right? This is our world. But the 1% adjustments are going to be huge over time. So making those 1% adjustments, and that's what Profit First is really good at, and then live deliberately. Again, most people are haphazard in their life, and they're not deliberate in the things. And you'll notice the ones who are successfully financially from rags to riches kind of style, they live deliberately. They've done something different. They're not just kind of wishy-washy. They, they've been deliberate in what they've done. That's the the still method and you ask certain questions as you go through this. And I think people should do this on a monthly basis at least. That's great. And this is something that you'll help your clients go through. I, I just want to remark on a few of these. Set your sights is the first step. And that that really catches my attention. Any other additional story or comment you want to make on set your sights? Every person's goals and, and all that is is different. One of my goals is to have my son visit six of the seven continents before he's 18. The reason is, is because I want him to experience that the world is not all around about him. But whenever he starts complaining, his latte is too foamy, we're going to Africa. And, and I think that that is a powerful thing. And in, in really, as you design your business, and because we love working with business owners, real estate professionals who, who do real estate, what is it that you want? And how do you reverse engineer it? So that's, uh, again, setting your sights. If you don't know what you want, you're just going to be wondering And when you're 80, how did I get here? What? You know? Yeah. Or worse, you live your life chasing what other people want from you. For example, the fees that might be taken off of your 401k because you put all that money in that 401k and that's helping somebody else's retirement on uh, on a predictable basis, whereas your 401k, there's nothing guaranteed about it. Just to pick one out of a dozen right, uh, ways yeah. we could go there. You could live someone else's life. They can reach their goals through you, which is something we want to try to avoid. It's setting your 
sites. Right. Yeah. That's great stuff. And, and everyone has a plan for your money. There you like, go. There's a plan for your money for everything. I mean, you just turn on the TV for five minutes and there's commercial after commercial and you have to think through it. And even like looking at the policy, the policies that we design, the bank and yourself design policies, they, of course, the insurance company is going to make sure it's a profitable business for them. I want them to have a profitable business and they have goals, but how does this implement and how does this build a foundation for all the other things, right? Mm -hmm. Making win-win scenarios. So that's mm -hmm. part of, again, setting your sights and how does that play into the bigger picture of things? Set your sights, track your in and out. I assume that means like reconciling last month's expenses and not just uh, blowing through 50 different streaming services and eating out 17 times a week and that sort of thing. Is there any other nuance that we should think about with regard to track your in and out? Well, I, I think some of this is, and this is interesting in the, the market world, where we're told like at some point, but don't look at what's happening. Just put your head in the sand and forget about it. It'll go Oh, out. yeah. So not just your consumable purchases, but you're also saying track your investments as well. Yeah, tr yeah. track, see how that actually works, right? If you know how much you put in, and, and no one ever does this, right? But if 400 bucks is going in, what's the company match? Maybe, and then you leave your job, you might lose some of that. And with volatility, if we actually realized and, and did the math ourselves, we might see, hey, the numbers that the average rate of return doesn't equal what I actually thought because we weren't tracking. I, we didn't actually see, oh, I put in 400 and they, maybe they matched to, I don't know. But most people, I guarantee you, it's hard to find a software that will help that. I don't know. Do you know one, yeah. of, one of those that help with that? No, I, interestingly, I, I was sent a statement recently by someone I'm discussing some strategies with, and he had shown me his 401k, uh, which shows the performance year to date. And we're recording this in beginning of June, 2022. And as of now, year to date, the return was a negative 15.4%. So the return was about negative 15.5%. Now, what's not included here are all of his contributions. And he's already maxed out his 401k for the year. Yep. So his, his uh, $1.4 million 401k is already down. And even when you add in his contributions of 31,000 bucks, He's still down 15%. So it would be down even more to your point, Brandon. Yeah. You got to track it. You got to track what's really going on. Find the truth in the fees, find the truth in the real return, not just some average rate of return that doesn't exist. So track your in and out. That's really cool. And you're right. There are some tools that help you really get to the bottom of this, uh, of tracking your in and out. On the consumer purchase side, we love YNAB for this. What would you say though, Brandon? Do you have a favorite? I mean, YNAB is a good one. My wife is another good one that I is my favorite. She she is like a, a master of Excel. So like you can put certain things into Excel and do a formula to figure out some of that and just keeping an eye on how much am I putting in and what is actually the outflow positive, you know, and mm -hmm. understanding sequence of returns. Do some some calculations yourself. What's the difference between track your in and out and the next one, which is inspect your progress. You talk about what are you noticing? Describe that some, inspect your progress. 
Yeah. So from a business, it's kind of like the 80-20 rule, right? So 80% of what you do usually doesn't matter. 20% does. Or sometimes now they're saying it's a 95-5 rule in this big world. A lot of people are just going through life and they don't realize what is that 5% that I could really double down on or 20% and how do I move more towards that? And if you don't actually see those things, we're just going through it and inspecting what's costing me money and what is building revenue or more cash flow. And stop the things that don't work. If you don't inspect it and we don't actually look at our 401k or whatever, and we're just told, put our head in the sand, it'll work out in 20 years. Well, we've had the highest bull market and all of this stuff in the past. It, years definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results the uh, how's that working out for a lot of people i don't know mm -hmm. so inspect you only have when it comes to your money there's no do-overs right maybe it's good to inspect and make sure are the things i thought were true are they actually true mm -hmm. and being okay with it may be wrong that's awesome yeah again getting back to the what I don't know that I don't know. Yeah. And what categories am I totally blind to right now? Yeah. Great stuff. Look for 1% adjustments. You mentioned that there are no quick fixes. There is powerful stories about compound growth, but can you describe what are we doing when we're looking for 1% adjustments? Yeah. So I think it's some, if you're looking at budgeting, for example, you can make 1% breakdown shifts, right? And Dave Ramsey loves this. Just shrink your way to wealth, maybe, you know, stop spending on the lattes or whatever. And so that's one way to make 1% adjustments that we call it the expense challenge. What are things that you keep spending money? I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, when it, with my Amazon or not Amazon, Apple, no, Disney Plus, there's all these subscriptions, right? There's hundreds of subscriptions. And I'm like, how often have I watched a Disney show this month? Because I'm paying 15 bucks for it. If I haven't watched it or I don't plan to get rid of it, that's a 1% adjustment possibly. Mm -hmm. On the other side, when it comes to running a business, what are those 1% adjustments that are going to build? So having more subscribers, more views, more, all of this stuff is 1% adjustments that build more wealth. And over time, it just builds. Being comfortable with the long-term steady growth pattern. Mm -hmm. There are no quick fixes. You could look at a 1% adjustment on shaving down your tax rate, your effective tax rate. You could look for a 1% adjustment on increasing your savings by 1%. You guys help us with Profit First, where we make a 1% adjustment every quarter. These are all just different categories of thought for how to make that small incremental change that really makes a big difference over time. That's great. and. The policies after seven or eight years, those 1% adjustments, I don't even have to do anything. I'm just like, oh, look, there we go. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Say some more about that. What's, what is it about the policies that bring that 1% uh, adjustment to bear? Yeah. So I, I'm seeing like the compounding. Our money is going into the policy. Now we're in the eight-year mark and I'm seeing like, oh, our dividend growth is building faster and faster because of the compounding effect. So that 1% is bigger and bigger. As I look and say, from what I started, right? 
it's a huge difference, but my pie is getting bigger too. Love it. Lastly, live deliberately. You brought up a few things there. So help us understand, put some framework around this last piece of the still method, live deliberately. We have to actually go back around that whole idea of living deliberately. It requires action. Mm -hmm. You, you need to sit with it. Like there's the contemplation part and we can become monks and just sit and pray. But at the same time, you got to actually do something. The, the world needs activists. It needs us to actually do something when it comes to our money, like living deliberate, saying, I want to give 10% to a charity or whatever. I got to actually do something, not just say I want to do it. And that is where a lot of people and business owners, I, I call it the entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs. You can tell the difference over time because the entrepreneurs are just kind of in that sitting and, and thinking about it forever. The entrepreneurs are the ones that say, all right, I've done it. And they've made mistakes and they've overcome the mistakes. The, the mm -hmm. crazy part is if we don't go through this process, we might keep making the same mistakes. The, the main thing is to change and live deliberate and in, in those both positives and negatives. You're right. So as you live deliberately, you go back to setting your sights. So mm -hmm. you, you take that next couple of steps, living deliberately, taking action, and then you figure out, well, my, my sights have changed. I don't need that $500 million yacht like I thought I did. Now yeah. I just want to make sure my kids are well taken care of and that I've instilled values in my family that'll last a thousand years. That's setting your sights after living deliberately a little bit. Uh, you refine your goals over time. I think that's really cool. And I'd never thought about how the still method wraps right back into the first step, which is setting your sights all over again. Uh, so yep. that's a really cool full circle moment there, Brandon. As we wrap up, what do you want to leave your son if you couldn't leave him any money? What would you give him if, if you couldn't leave him any, any of the physical things of life? Uh, what would you want to make sure he had instilled in him? Yeah, we've been thinking about this uh, a lot lately. You know, he's four years old. Uh, I'll tell you a crazy story. I, I realized this was like hilarious. So for my son, he's again four. We were going to Trader's World to figure out like, hey, I want to go look around. And we said, never pay full price. Go in and, and say that. And then you'll get a lower deal. Maybe he got $27 from his save spend share buckets that he has at, at home and he went and he's looking at all these toys and he finds this Iron Man figurine, three bucks after talking, looking at all of them, $3 and goes to the guy and asks, how much is it? And, and he says it's $3 and they immediately, my son's that's too much, puts it down. And my wife was like, ask what's another number? Say, say, will you pay two, well, $2 work? And he's like, can I buy it for $2? And he did. And he got his toy for two bucks instead of $3. This is a four-year-old. How did he figure that out? And I didn't even know he was listening. So here's the thing I've thought about in this whole story. Like this guy made a 33% savings. Yeah. Amazing. Like if business owners could do that, that would be huge. Mm -hmm. um, By asking, just saying something and asking a simple question. Yeah. And what I'm learning in this, as we build our podcast and our YouTube, what are things I want my son to learn? Because I might not be around, but I would love him to go back in the archives and listen to these shows 
and say, all right, this is a nugget. So I, luckily for us, we're creating an archive of stuff that he's going to be able to use, you know, within our podcast. So I'm hoping, you know, your daughter comes back and says, I want to listen to all of dad's podcasts and learns things. Cause at this point they don't want to, or it might be overwhelming, but mm-hmm. Hey, you never know a four-year-old's picking up money lessons. That's a great answer, man. And for the privilege of everybody listening, they may not be adopted into your family, but you can still uh, learn from Brandon and Amanda. Uh, so tell them how they can find you and uh, how they can keep up with everything you guys are doing these days. Yeah. So of course, go to stillmethod.com and download the framework. There's a list of questions and put that in. Uh, if you're a business owner, we're teaching what has helped us go from poverty to where we're at now. And we have some of the war wounds of having a coffee shop or those kind of things that help us, I feel like, understand the heartache of being a business owner, the challenges, I guess you could say. Very good. So tell us again, the Still Method website one more time. Yeah, it's easy. Stillmethod.com. Stillmethod.com. That's right. great. Exactly. Brandon, thanks for your time and thanks for all you do to help people. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mark. Wow. Thank you again, Brandon. What a great interview. What a great concept, the still method. I was really struck by what it can do, what it can mean. If you implement it into your financial life, what might that change for you? What if you set your sights and really understood where you want to go financially? What if you actually tracked your in and out, the good, the bad, and the ugly of your monthly cash flow? What if you inspect the progress you make? in terms of being able to set aside a little bit, improving your situation. And he talks about the 1% adjustment, which I think just helps fill my sails with hope. You know, if I if I wait until I've made the entire marathon, I'll, I'll fall to the ground. But if I can just take one little step today toward my goal, I feel like I can make it. And of course, living deliberately helps remind me that what I'm doing serves a purpose and will make a difference both in my life and those that I uh, am here to serve. So thank you for that still method concept, Brandon and Amanda. One more takeaway before we go, Brandon brought up this unfortunate reality that many businesses are really just there to serve the beast and really not there to bring financial freedom to the business owner. What is the beast? Maybe it's banks, credit card companies, the IRS, and other vampires that suck the business dry and do not have the business owner's best interest at heart. So as we wrap up today, can you implement the still method into your life? Could you at least do S, set your sights? Could you possibly track your in and out just for 30 days? You know, you can always go back to the life you've had before you started to follow the still method. 30 days later, give it a shot, give it a try, implement this practice and see what it might do for you. Uh, If you need help or would like guidance going through the still method, go to stillmethod.com and you can download their free report there. So thank you, Brandon, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live deliberately with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.